In this video, I'm going to talk to you all about HMOs. So if you're not aware of HMOs, a uh, house in multiple occupation, watch the video to find out more about it. If you are aware, watch the video because I'm going to share with you the five common mistakes people make when they don't know how to run an HMO. So watch the video so you can avoid those mistakes. Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. If you're already in property, or you've researched and considered property uh, for a while, you'll be well aware uh, that there is a strategy called HMOs, which is a house in multiple occupation. And there are potential of an HMO to deliver what may on the periphery be seen as a good return on investment. Uh, but with most things in life, uh, nothing's ever plain sailing, and you need to be fully aware of what you're getting into uh, when you look after or own an HMO, including being aware of any potential planning issues, licensing issues, uh, and everything that's involved in managing an HMO. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, HMOs in certain areas don't work too well, and neighbors and other residents sometimes don't like HMOs uh, because there's different people living in, the, in those HMOs. They never get to know the neighbors, and sometimes if they're larger HMOs, uh, they can cause uh, issues with antisocial behavior and other things. Uh, that's not always the case, by the way, uh, but it can be sometimes. Uh, so what are the kind of common areas that people overlook uh, when they buy and own an HMO. The first one is they don't understand the risks involved with the property rental market uh, as a whole uh, because they might be new to uh, property and they think HMO is the best way forward because it's a good cash flow strategy, which it is if done properly. Now, there's always risks uh, when you're investing in property and HMOs are exactly the same, they're no different. Uh, but when you have an HMO, unless it's already fully done up, uh, you're going to have to spend money on renovating it, getting it ready, uh, making sure you do work to a particular standard uh, and making sure you meet all the different regulations. And that's extremely important. Uh, so you need to make sure you understand those uh, rules and regulations, but at the same time, uh, also have a builder or somebody else uh, who can create those rooms for you uh, so that you meet uh, the regulations uh, because most councils don't look favorably if you set up HMOs. Uh, which aren't done up to a very good standard. So that's incredibly important uh, and that's one of the first things you should educate yourself on if you're looking to have an HMO. Now also, uh, when you are running an HMO, uh, a risk is that multiple rooms become empty at any one point. Uh, so that's going to reduce the cash coming in, uh, therefore less cash flow for you. Uh, and if your costs are high, you may have a problem. So make sure you are fully aware of cash flow voids and you've planned for them. The second thing uh, is most people don't have a plan at the start when they look at 
getting into property or HMOs. And the mistake here is to kind of quickly make decisions and then you know one or two people around you who are doing HMOs, seems like a good idea, you go on a course or read a book or go on a webinar and you think HMOs are fantastic. So on a spreadsheet, they work incredibly well and they all look good. Uh, now, no business plan ever failed on paper, it's only when you implement it, uh, you soon find out things aren't as they, you, th you thought they were going to be. So make sure when you're uh, doing your spreadsheet, you uh, go into detail in, in terms of the costs, the calculations, the voids, uh, regulation, and everything that's involved, uh, because that's incredibly important. Now with HMOs, tenants come in and out all the time, so you're not going to have 100% occupancy, uh, so you need to be aware of that. Uh, and I would say work on 80% occupancy, uh, even 70%, and see if the figures work. Because if they don't work on those uh, numbers, on occupancy rates, it probably isn't worth doing. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Different people will have uh, a different view on it. Now, many tenants move into an, a an HMO for usually reasons of convenience or financial issues. Uh, so some of them might be going into an HMO uh, because they like the benefits of an all-inclusive rent. Uh, especially if they're professional tenants, uh, but they might be going into uh, an HMO because they can't afford to rent a, a, a flat or a, or a house, therefore renting a room uh, seems the best way forward for them, or they might be working in different areas at different times because uh, they're contracting, so they might take a, a room for an HMO because they've got three six or six month contract in a particular place, then they move on, and, and this is why it's not static in terms of owning an HMO. There's a, a, a decent amount of churn, possibly even a, a high churn. Uh, so uh, that's part of the reason why people living in the vicinity sometimes don't feel comfortable with HMOs alongside a few other reasons. So make sure that, that you vet your tenants, uh, you, you, know, you know them well, you know exactly what they're looking for and the property meets their requirements because uh, even if they're there for the short term, you want to make sure they have a good stay and you, you, look, you look after them and also obviously the neighborhood is looked after because the last thing you want is people sending you complaints, sending complaints to the council, sending complaints to councillors yeah, and then it's just going to be more headache for you and you want to avoid that the best that you can uh, and that just requires a bit of work up front both in terms of vetting people and also managing and setting expectations so you know what's expected, that tenants know what's expected and keeping your uh, neighbors in the loop because that's incredibly important. Now the types of tenants that you may get in an HMO are students because they are usually are living on a budget. Uh, then you've got young professionals, could be uh, nurses, doctors, etc. Uh, people who uh, work in retail uh, or who have jobs near town, so they want to have a, a, a room nearby where they work. Uh, sometimes people who are on uh, housing benefit or are looking on to, uh, have lost a job and then are looking for work but can't afford to rent a full house. Uh, so either way, you need to decide what type of tenants you want, uh, but make sure you have a proper vetting process so you know exactly what you're going into uh, and everything's done properly. And also uh, be ready to be hands-on. Now you can give an HMO to an agent uh, to charge you higher fees than they would if they were uh, looking after a single let. Uh, but even then, you're, you're still going to have to be involved. So if you're looking for a strategy where you're not involved at all, 
then don't go into uh, having an, an HMO because they are usually more involved. And there might be people out there who tell you, oh, it's just p pure passive income, no headache, somebody, somebody looks after it. The experience that I've had and my clients have had, generally speaking, uh, and I, is that they do require some hands-on uh, involvement. And if that's not for you, then uh, I don't think HMOs are something that you should be looking at. Now, of course, also make sure you, you keep an inventory list of all the things that, that you have uh, in an HMO. Uh, because those things need to be replaced, but also if they're damaged, uh, then you want to make sure that uh, you can charge uh, people who damage those per on purpose. If things get broken or whatever, it's a different thing. But if tenants are breaking things in your house on purpose, uh, then you don't want to be forking out the bill for that. Like I said, accidental, from my point of view, it doesn't matter. It happens on purpose, uh, but then it's soon going to start costing you, especially if you've got quite a few HMOs it's gonna cost you a lot of money. So make sure you take videos of uh, the rooms and, and the property. Also have pictures and have things in writing so everybody, everybody's very clear. Make sure you've got a, a deposit for the room uh, so that the tenants got some skin in the game and that they are committed to it. The third mistake is sometimes not fully understanding the competition in a particular area. Now, whatever business you're in, by the way, it's important to understand the local market and to understand what's being offered uh, in terms of room rates, quality of rooms, uh, size of rooms, uh, because if you end up getting an HMO and yours is smaller than everybody else's, you don't have all the facilities that everybody else has, but why would anybody want to use you? That they go to another property where the rooms are better, the quality is better, added value uh, is better uh, and enhanced. So make sure, have a look around in an area, especially if, it's, if you're not familiar with the area, and have a look around some of the other HMOs to get a good grasp and understanding of what the rooms are like, what facilities are offered, what kind of demand there is there before you spend a lot of money doing up an HMO. Uh, because for example, let's say you buy a house and you can, can change into five uh, HMO units. It can cost you anywhere, again, it depends on the uh, amount of work required, but anywhere from say 20,000 to 40,000 uh, per unit to get it up and going. And if you got four or five, that's the best part of uh, 150 to 200 grand. Again, depend on the condition of the property. You could maybe get away with 10 or 20,000 pounds. It just depends how big the rooms are and how much work's required. But whether it's 20,000 pounds or 150,000 pounds, you don't want to be spending money on something where there's no demand or doing it to the wrong specification and then soon finding out uh, that your property doesn't meet the needs of the local people or there are other properties which are better and you've just spent uh, a lot of money doing something up which just isn't fit for a uh, purpose. Now of course, the better quality the rooms, the bigger the rooms, the more services that you offer and the more facilities that you have, the more you can charge in rent. Uh, and then, generally speaking, uh, the better type of tenant that, that you'll uh, target. But that obviously depends down on you, the type of tenants you want. Uh, but make sure you're very clear on that. Uh, and it's also important to make sure that your property stands out. It's better than, than, than the others or different so that people are interested in it. And obviously, uh, if your property got good, uh, you'll get more viewings. You get more viewings. You'll get more tents coming in, you have more tents come in, and you, you look after them, and, and the facilities are good, they're gonna stay with you longer, and that's the aim of the game. Because like I said, HMOs 
are necessary to some extent. There is a demand for them, there's a need for them, uh, for certain type, types of people. So if you can meet that need, why would somebody want to skip around uh, from uh, room to room in different HMOs with different landlords if you're looking after them and doing a good job? Number four is a very important one, uh, which is not checking the regulations and not being fully aware of them. You don't need to check the planning commission if you are changing some design or want to put a, a lamp in, in a room, for example, but you need to be fully aware what's required uh, in terms of change of use for planning purposes and also building control. Uh, so if you don't understand that, speak to an architect, speak to a planning consultant, they can help you with that. However, if you are doing, looking to do substantial work to a property, uh, then make sure uh, you check that with somebody before doing the work because if you breach planning rules or building control rules, you're going to have problems. For example, if you're removing or replacing a fence, it may seem like a, a great idea until you realize that the house next door has, for example, listed status, which might cause you a problem. Uh, and I, that's gonna create unnecessary uh, risk for you. You might think uh, you can split the rooms, uh, but you haven't thought about the fire regulations and you haven't got fire doors. Again, can cause problems. So you need to make sure uh, you do your due diligence, understand fully what's required, and also in terms of uh, amenity standards, common areas, communal areas, the minimum size requirements uh, for an HMO, are they self-contained, are they not? So all of those things you, you need to be aware of. And again, um, councils have an HMO officer, speak to them, they're usually, in my experience, very good, very helpful, and they will assist and support you the best they can. Now there's over 170 pieces of regulation and legislation when it comes to managing and including HMOs. So it's comprehensive, it's long, uh, it's detailed. Uh, now you might not know every single one. You might not be interested in understanding every single one. You might want to rent out your property to an agent, but having some kind of understanding of some of these things is important. And of course, the more aware you become, and the more involved you become, the more that you'll learn. But ignorance isn't bliss, so you need to have some responsibility of understanding planning, regulation, money management, the legalities, planning, uh, etc., fire regulations, uh, because if you're not compliant, uh, you will fall into a lot of trouble, and then you'll wish that you'd never ever go into an HMO. So go into it with your eyes open. Now, if you're not sure what you should be doing, and that's fine, by the way, because we all learn something new all the time. And the first place, like I said, is to speak to your local council and the housing standards team. Uh, incredibly important. They want you to do the right thing. They want to support you. They don't want to be coming out and uh, dealing with complaints. They don't want to be uh, coming hard or on down hard on people. What they do want is people to make sure that, that they follow health and safety, the rules, the regulations, and their job is to support you, and they will do that. Uh, because from my experience, whenever I've, I've spoken to different uh, officers and councils, they've all been extremely and incredibly helpful. Now, before you buy a property to go to an HMO, make sure you're aware of any planning consent uh, that may be required. Because if there's an Article 4 direction, uh, then that means you need planning permission to change a property uh, from, say, uh, a C3 class, which is a single household dwelling, to a C4 class. Uh, and that is mandatory when there's Article 4 in place. Uh, so don't just buy a property thinking you can do an HMO 
uh, and then converting it without checking and later on you f find out you fall and follow the rules and then the counselor come in, you're in big trouble, then you have to uh, apply for a retrospective planning application. Officers and planning committees don't look at that uh, in good light and that's gonna make it even harder for you. There's no guarantee and if planning doesn't go through, you then have to go and undo all the work. So you've spent money on doing it, then undoing it, it's gonna be a very, very costly exercise. So if you're new, make sure you work with somebody uh, like an HMO landlord or other experts who can help and guide you on these things so you know exactly what to do and you minimize the number of mistakes. Number five is not speaking to and working with the right type of experts. Now, looking to get into an HMO uh, uh, without speaking to experts who know the market, uh, who know how to create HMOs, how to develop them, who have the experience and the expertise to do this, uh, I think would be short-sighted of somebody who doesn't have the experience. Because like I said, there's a lot of regulation uh, around HMOs. Uh, you're not gonna fully understand all of it. Even if you've been um, at HMOs for five or 10 years, you're never gonna know everything. So work with experts who can help and assist you with everything from repairing properties to looking at planning, fire regulations, health and safety, electrics, plumbing, the whole lot also in terms of obviously managing an HMO, how to vet tenants, uh, and how to make sure uh, that you keep everything uh, in tip-top shape. Generally speaking, the pattern that I've seen is that well-run and well-maintained HMOs have a good team of people who look after those HMOs. So it's not just one person usually. Now, if you've got nothing else to do and you've lost your job or you've gone to property full-time and you wanna become uh, hands-on, fine. But most people who scale up HMO businesses have a team of people, whether it's looking at the regulation, whether it's a handy person who goes in to fix the properties uh, or any legal requirements, financial requirements. Uh, they have a team of people who help and assist them. Uh, and HMOs are a good strategy for scaling up. They create fantastic cash flow, but doing it on your own isn't going to be easy. And if you are doing it on your own, Maybe you can do one, two or three, but as you get bigger, you'll need a, a good team of people around you. And if you're serious about scaling up, I'd say start with the, your power team and, and, and the key critical people with you from day one so they can help you grow and develop alongside obviously uh, supporting you to achieve your goals. Now there's a lot of experts out there, especially those who manage their HMOs for you. So maybe self-managing might not be a good thing to do at the start and just outsourcing everything and learning the ropes and learning the trade and then later on maybe look, looking after the property yourself might be a better way of doing things uh, and I would strongly suggest that because I think your time's important you can focus on if you're looking to build a strategy finding more HMOs doing deals as opposed to managing tenants uh, I mean if you enjoy that or if that's your expertise by all means do it uh, but uh, in terms of when it comes to advertising looking for tenants maintaining the, the properties making sure that everything's effective if, 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 and making sure everything's effective and efficient and also uh, you're compliant just uh, I personally outsource all, all of those things because I know what I'm good at and I do what I'm good at and let everybody else do what they're good at and that seems to work incredibly well. But either way, however you do it, whether it's you or if it's external, 
especially if you're doing it internally, by the way, is have uh, systems and processes uh, and checklists uh, for everything that you do so nothing ever gets missed off. And as you scale up, when somebody else comes in uh, to work with you or to, to take over a particular task, you've got a process in place and they can follow your process. And of course, a process is always iterative. It changes and improves uh, with time. Uh, so as you become more experienced, you'll have a pretty much a decent process that you want to make sure you follow all the time. Uh, and then after a while, it kind of becomes a cookie cutter process. So you know exactly what you're doing. You've done a number of these and you can just hit, you know, hands on deck and crack on. And to add, if you're going to uh, use an agent, make sure you use an agent who has experience of doing HMOs and ideally they only do HMOs because they'll have a team of people or if they're doing it themselves, they're looking after a few HMOs, they'll know what's required. Make sure the top of tenants that you're targeting are the top of tenants that your agent is used to looking after. Uh, so different agents look after different types of tenants uh, and different demographic. Some of them might have a mixed bag, but the one that you choose should be a good fit for your tenants because not only will they understand your tenants, uh, they'll also be able to help you find more of those type of tenants because they've got those contacts. And if you don't have a power team, speak to your uh, agent, letting agent, they can introduce you to people who specialize in doing certain things for HMOs. Uh, so you build on their expertise. Or if you have a mentor, speak to them. Uh, if you don't know where to start, if you're on Facebook, go into some of the Facebook groups uh, and people will be able to help and guide and support you in terms of what you need to know. So that's part one of a two-part video on HMOs. In the next video, I'll cover five additional things that you ought to know. In this video, any questions in the comments below, click subscribe so you get all the fresh and new content. And if you have any questions, post them and I'll happily answer them. And if you like the video, click like. If you don't like it, let me know in the comments box why you don't like it and I'll change them going forward. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.